Marketplace is produced in association with the University of Southern California. You know, if they had wanted to, lawmakers could have snuck almost anything into that spending bill they're voting on. Who knows? Maybe they did. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace. In Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdal. It is Wednesday, the 10th of December. Today, good as always to have you with us, everybody. True to form, the Congress of the United States has taken it down to the wire. The it in question here is the continued operation of the federal government. Last night, the House released a $1.1 trillion spending bill that will keep most parts of the federal bureaucracy funded through the end of next September. It runs 1,603 pages, is not, as you might imagine, light reading, but some important things are buried deep in the legislative language. For instance... Page 1,599, separate contribution... In the money and politics category, the maximum donation a person can make to a political party increases dramatically from $32,000 or so to more than $320,000. Page 615... From the un- In the money and banking category, the bill waters down Dodd-Frank a bit. It puts the government potentially on the hook if certain derivative trades go bad. Page 809, Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. There are about 10 million Americans in what are called multi-employer pensions when businesses in the same industry join with unions to offer pension coverage. Think construction and supermarkets in particular. The bill lets those benefits be cut if the pension funds get into trouble. Page 213. None of the funds There were, all of that said, some surprises in this thing as well. Washington, D.C. was reminded that it is still basically run by Congress. The Cromnibus, as it's called, will block last month's voter-approved initiative in the district to legalize marijuana. And finally... Page 640. None of the funds made available... There are a lot of fancy portraits in all those government offices in Washington, D.C., executive branch employees, lawmakers, and agency officials. They can run $20,000 or more of those portraits can, but if this thing passes, you are not going to have to pay for them. If high-ranking officials, including the president, by the way, want somebody to paint a huge picture of them to hang up in public, that's all fine. They just got to pay for it themselves. All right, moving on from that minutia, Uber continues to be unable to get out of its own way. The latest development is that the ride-sharing company is being sued by district attorneys in Los Angeles and San Francisco and some other cities over how well it protects its customers and how well it complies with local law and regulations. Add to that the company's history of doing unsavory things with all the data that it has, tracking one-night stands, just to pick an example, and it is not a pretty public relations picture. So assuming it wanted to, how might Uber clean up its reputation? Sally Herships has that story. Uber was tracking its customers to see how many were doing the walk of shame. But now it's the company that looks like a hot mess. When you think about brands, really people judge them the exact same way that you judge people. Alison Schoenholz is with Siegel and Gale, a global branding firm. She says Uber could start cleaning up its reputation by admitting its mistakes. But what it really needs to do is change its practices so the same problems don't happen again. To just apologize alone isn't going to be enough for Uber. What is obvious about Uber is they don't have a crisis management strategy in place at all. Brad Hecht is chief research officer at Reputation Institute. He says in some ways Uber is like a little kid at the adults table, but no one's told it which fork to use or trained the company's executives about how to deal with the media or with a crisis. You have to respond immediately. You have to be transparent. 
you have to apologize and be accountable, and you have to have a plan about how you're looking to resolve it. Hecht says it's not about the problem, it's about how a company reacts. Peter Himmler is founder of PR firm Flatiron Communications. He says Uber needs help, but luckily for the company, its backers recently came out in support. Ashton Kutcher, who's an investor, and Jason Calacanis, both of whom have huge followings on social media, actually weighed in in Uber's support. Uber says its growth has come with some growing pains, and acknowledging its mistakes are the first steps towards fixing them. In New York, I'm Sally Herships for Marketplace. The trading logic on Wall Street today went a little something like this. Those falling oil prices aren't falling because of excess supply anymore. It's because demand is down. Lower demand indicates slowing economic activity, hence a big sell-off in New York. It will be the sad music when we get there.